Well, as you can tell, we are starting to uh, gather back again. It is uh, first service was a little like about this size as well. So we're starting to have people start slowly as school starts coming back and that kind of thing too. We're starting to have people uh, really uh, get into uh, into the, the routine of getting back into the buildings and that kind of thing. We still appreciate you guys doing that, Ben. Hey, Pete. And um, be praying for uh, us today. We, uh, as a, as a, uh, the leadership of this church, have a very important meeting this afternoon. And I'll explain what this meeting is, but it is a meeting about what we're going to do over the next year. What, what is God laying on us to do? We started this last year. If you recall, it's a, it's a, it's a process basically that starts off with two hours of prayer. And, and that's what we're going to be doing today. That's about it. Like, it's just like we're sincerely, intentionally going and going to pray. Last year, if you recall, uh, what God laid on us, uh, being in the seventh year of this uh, church, uh, and, and we, we actually opened a little over five years ago, but we started here in Edgerton seven years ago. Uh, we're in our eighth year now. But last year, what God laid on us was to let the mission field rest. Do you recall some of you guys were here when we were talking about that, that kind of thing. So we, we basically didn't intentionally do a whole lot of outside uh, community events, which is weird for a church, right? That's kind of weird. But that's, that came out of uh, what God said in the Old Testament was to let the, let the fields rest every seven years. Like, don't plant, don't do, you know, like just let the field rest. And so we took that Sabbath rest as well uh, last year. And this year, it looks like God is opening up opportunities to do a lot of outreach and a lot of those kinds of things. And so I want to share that, share that with you. We're going to be uh, like intentionally praying today about where God wants us to go. And we'll be rolling that out and communicating those kind of things uh, with you. And so be praying for this. If you can, can you do that? Like we are, and, and at one thirty is when we're actually starting that. We're going to be meeting at Big Bull Creek, which has like sixteen hundred visitors a week now. I understand, and is the top-rated disc golf uh, something or other. It's in in Johnson County. It's like ridiculous, or in the Kansas City metro area. I understand. So it's uh, it's wild. The the entire population of Edgerton has that exact same number of visitors coming into Edgerton every week. So it's kind of a kind of a wild thing. So that's why we're, we're, we're going to be meeting there where people are coming in and how do we reach and those, those kinds of things. We'll be praying for us. So I'd appreciate that. We also are, because we're starting to step back into the um, uh, routine, if you will, uh, but, but really stepping back into normal gatherings, we're also are, are, are looking at the online, online uh, the community. Like how does that work? So be praying for us on that on that as well, but because we're starting to step back into the into the services uh, normally, what we what we're asking people to do, is because we've been resting for a long time, well, Dustin back at the connect desk, everybody said, "What's up, Dustin?" Homeboy Lane, Dustin's son, got baptized in the first service. So yeah, dude, awesome, awesome. Uh, we we had three scheduled for today. I got a text that so they're going to be uh, doing it next week or sometime this week. Um, these are people I, I want to share with you why the online community is so important and why what we have an initiative called New City Neighborhoods is so important. Bernie has been witnessing to these folks in her neighborhood for 30 years, right? It's like 
Like uh, it's it's been been amazing thing. And so when they need Jesus, and they they know they need Jesus, but when they have questions, you've been there for them. You've been able to share. And they, they've actually accepted Christ as their Savior now, based on the, that what you've been doing. And not you didn't do it, but you you introduced. God did it. Yeah, you and Ed, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. So Pete, Pete comes in on Friday and starts praying with them there, and uh, they got no choice but to, but accept Jesus after that, right? So <laughs> you know that's coming. But that's how the that's how neighborhoods work. New city neighborhoods work, and so be thinking through how we how we engage and really uh, equip people to pastor their neighborhoods the way Ed and Bernie have been doing for a long time. So thank you for that. Thank you for your yeah. It's just awesome. Yeah. Nobody had ever, nobody saw those kids as right for harvest, right? Nobody saw right. them as that they were having a lot of struggles and everything. So people like kind of just backed off and nobody came in and said, Do you, you know, could we, do you want, do you want things to be different? Do you, do you want an energy drink? Do you want, can, may I pray for you? And they were so yeah. ready to receive that. It was just, it's amazing. Yeah, they ate it up. They ate it up. I mean, it's just uh, just an incredible thing. And this is, this is where, you know, we're going to be uh, diving into as a church, like every campus um, is going to be diving into how do we help people engage their community in the workplaces that they're in and the places that they live and, and those kinds of things. Uh, we want kingdom come and we keep praying for it, man. We got to learn how, right? And so, so I imagine you're going to be a good teacher for us in, in how we engage our, engage our uh, communities so, and our neighborhoods. Yep. So I appreciate that. So thank you, Bernie. Everybody give Bernie a hand because that is amazing. Amazing. Yeah, man, absolutely, right? right? You can't help, man, but woe to you if you don't tell your neighbors, right? That's exactly, I mean, that, that, that burning that, that we have is, uh, oh, she's called Bernie for a reason. <laughs> the Bernie desire in heart, yeah, so. That's right, that's right. That's so, I'm sorry. First things that pop in my mind should not be the first thing I say, so I apologize. <laughs> That's right. Amen. Amen. So one of the things, too, we are we have several opportunities that, uh, that we're going to be stepping into a season of serving. And so one of the things we have is uh, September 25th, uh, if you will mark this on your calendars, we actually do have enough uh, volunteers now. I think we're up to, but doesn't mean you can't volunteer for this. But yeah, somebody's clapping. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stop you from clapping. That's always something to celebrate when people are excited to serve. But we have actually a food truck coming. It is a tractor trailer load of free produce on the 25th of uh, September. It's going to be, we need people from like 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. ish, uh, all the way up to 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock ish. So it kind of will help us. I'll get more clarification about when the food trucks will be there and that kind of thing. But it is a dynamite opportunity. So thank you guys for volunteering for that. I can now pull the pull the trigger on, I don't know if I should say that in church, but... I can now, uh, it, it, yes, say yes to the to the uh, produce company that has is excess surplus of food from the USDA. It's a whole big network of things that are going on, but because of COVID, there's been a lot of wasted food, wasted produce, and we're actually able to give that out uh, as a result of that. So that's pretty cool. Also, 
Guys, if you're interested in serving on Sunday mornings, we have, uh, or, or on our online community, um, you know, we have opportunities. If you would see Dustin in the back again, we've got places to, you know, if you want to uh, work in worship arts and people are like, I, I can't play any music or anything, but, but you may be able to help us put together slides or upload podcasts and things like that to help out with New City Online and New City Neighborhoods or whatever's going to evolve from that. We've got opportunities in Kid City. Yeah, uh, some of you guys are like, hey, I mean, I work with kids. We got a couple of folks to volunteer for that this morning in the first service. We have Student City, uh, which is uh, you know our youth youth ministry that meets on Sunday nights. That's awesome too. So if you want to help with that, I think we got a volunteer for for that to help out. So we'll let our uh, youth pastor Patrick know. But um, you know, in in and in all kinds of ways, what am I missing? Kid City, Student City, uh, first impressions. Right. If you want to hang at the door and help people or be in the parking lot and help people, those kinds of things, a lot of different opportunities. So be praying through that. See Dustin after the service and uh, we'll get on from there. So before I get into the message, I want to share with you a uh, one minute video that is just very, very powerful. So check it out. that video love that video for for lots of reasons i think it's a it's a really neat time uh during the pandemic and during the racial strife and injustice that's going on and the tensions that are happening politically and all those kind of things people tend to to get to this point uh that man i just i'm just worn out or i'm flipped out or i'm sad or i'm exhausted or i you know like i'm fearful i hear that a lot and that kind of thing too um, and last week I talked to you guys about uh, what God had laid on me on the deck a couple of Sundays ago about I just he just I just felt like uh, he was telling me that I was leading people into sin. And last week I shared that with you that that this whole idea of fearfulness and how it's a sinful, really a sinful uh, thing if we're having this fear. And I'm not talking about fear of God. I'm talking about like, like, like fear of, oh, what's going to happen? Or a fear of a, that, that, that doesn't make any sense to, to really anything in reality. But it has this fearfulness. And it's the opposite of love. We talked about that a, a whole bunch and, and that kind of thing. And I really felt like God said, hey, call this sin out, right? Like call it out. And we should. Anytime we're in sin, we should. In fact, we're going to be starting a series or a city group called Exploring Discipleship on 
uh, the 15th of September. It's going to be at 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights, a six-week course. Man, we need discipleship more than ever during this time. Like, we need to help people understand why this is concerning for you and call those things out, lead people into repentance, and take action on those sins. And last week, man, he was like, get, like, like hammer it down, right? And then I go this week, and here's what he's telling me this week. Show some grace, right? You ever felt like, man, at some point, God, God you told me this, like, like, and then, then you told me to do something different. You ever feel like God sometimes is telling you one thing one week and another thing the other week, right? And, 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 and it's true. Like a lot of times he just wants our obedience. Here's, here's why this, I think God is telling me this, is because if you read in John 1, that, that in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, that word becomes flesh, and he came, Jesus, full of two things. What were they? Truth, yes, and grace. Full of grace and truth. So last week we said, hey, here's the truth, right? We got to get over this fear. We got to get over this sin of fearfulness, right? And this week he's like, show them my grace. Show them the mercy and express to them the, the love that I have for them. Because last week we talked about being rejected and the fearfulness that can come from it. This week we're going to talk about, about sadness. Because there's a lot of sadness going on, right? And we need to help God in that. And you know, not that God needs help, but we need to be the godly kind of people that help wipe away the tears, not, not necessarily hammer somebody that's, that's sad. Amen? You kind of get where I'm coming from. Because there is some things that are, that are going on that we need to be like understanding of rejection and sadness. And next week we talk about exhaustion, right? How many people are tired? Everybody's like, dude, if you ain't tired, show me what you're eating, please. Like we all have this, this exhaustion that, that can creep in. And all the things that we talked about, the rejection uh, it, that is not necessarily a, a sinful thing, but how we deal with it can be or how we have victory over those things can be wonderful, right? Sadness, not necessarily a sin, but if we let it take over and it becomes an idol or it takes us away from the closest to God, then that's dangerous and it gets really close to, to who, who God wants us to be. But these, an exhaustion as well, right? If we don't rest properly and we let ourselves get so tired that we, we can't even fulfill the great commission that God has called us to be, uh, then those things can become sinful, but they are not necessarily sinful because these are things that Jesus experienced. He experienced being tired, so tired that he's, he's sleeping in the middle of the storm on a boat, right? And his disciples are freaking out and he's just, I love that about him, right? He got his rest, baby. Plus, he's like, ah, I can control these things anytime I want. But he experienced sadness too. And that's what we'll talk about to, today. But these things can, are like, yes, they can be sinful, but they can also be used and also can be done in a way that brings great closeness to God. And that's what I want to help us to do. How did Jesus do it? How did he understand this? Like, how did he deal with this exhaustion? How did he deal with rejection, which we talked about last week? And, and today we talk about how did he deal with 
sadness. Let me give you a a couple of places if you want to turn into your Bibles in Matthew 11 and Mark 6. We're going to continue our, our uh, exploring through Mark, uh, the book of Mark. Hopefully we can get done with it by the end of the year. If not, we'll spill into next year. Uh, but, but the thing about Matthew uh, 11 and Mark 6 is that it, it shows someone named John the Baptist, who is one of my heroes in the, in, the, in the Bible. Of all the Bible, I love John the Baptist for a lot of reasons. This dude did not play. Like, it was so, like, here's the thing about John the Baptist. If you don't know John the, who John the Baptist is, that's totally all right. Let me give you kind of a, a brief overview of John the Baptist. Physically, the cousin of Jesus. So most likely, Jesus knew him growing up, right? Um, he was uh, and is the first prophet to come onto the scene after Malachi uh, finished his prophecies in the Old Testament. It took about 400 years for John the Baptist to be the first prophet that God sent to his people. This is a big deal, right? They hadn't heard anything from a prophet for 400 years until John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist was a guy that lived in the wilderness, had uh, his clothes were made of animals, fur, right? He ate bugs and honey. I'm thinking about a dude with a beard with uh, funky teeth, right? With, with honey dripping in his beard and a twitching little cricket leg in his I mean, that's just how I see him, right? This dude was bad mamma jamma, right? And he came out and he said things like, repent, right? He broke this thing out. He said, truth, right? You got to repent. You're, you're in sin. He even told people that didn't belong to God, those kinds of things. And some of them came to come to, to know God and actually were baptized by John into that repentance he called for. And then he did the same thing with an unbeliever named Herod, who was one of the leaders who had married his, his brother's wife, right? This is weird. And, and here comes John saying, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. And Herod had to put him in jail to shut him up, right? So this is where, where we are. This is so great, man. Matthew 11, starting in verse 1. It says, when Jesus had finished giving orders to his 12 disciples... He moved on from there to teach and preach in their towns. And when John heard in prison that the Messiah, what the Messiah was doing, he sent a message by his disciples and asked him, are you the one, capital O, who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now, this is John saying, hey, could you go ask if this is the guy that we have been waiting on, the Messiah, the, which is the derivative of the Hebrew word, the Christ, which is the Greek word. The, in, in essence, it's the anointed one that was written about in the entire Old Testament. Is it him? Could you go ask and make, make sure? Because I don't want to give my life to something, to someone that isn't him. It's a fair thing, right? Jesus replied to them, his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, go and report to John what you hear and, and see. The blind see, the lame walk, those with skin diseases are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And if anyone is not offended because of me, he is, he is blessed. 
As these men went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. Now listen to this. What you're going to see is you're going to see Jesus over and over in the scriptures is going to say, this is what you see here, but I want you to be thinking here in the heavenly realms, right? Eternal perspective. Listen to this. He said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? That ain't John, right? John's probably like got barbed wire in his lining. I mean, he's a tough dude, right? Look, those who wear soft clothes are in king's palaces. That ain't John either. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, far, yes, I tell you, and far more than a prophet. This dude was my cuz. He was the one that, that, that set the path straight for me. He's more than just somebody calling, into, calling God. He is fulfilling all kinds of scripture, right? And I know him. But he's more than a prophet. This is the one that is written about. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare a way before you, which is an Old Testament prophecy about, the, about a prophet that's going to come before the Messiah. I assure you, among those born of women, listen to this. This is where it gets, he's like, this is here, be thinking here, right? Among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So he's the greatest among everybody, right? This dude completely obeyed God. Completely did everything, like, like denied himself all the comforts of the world. Soft clothes, king palaces, great food, right? I mean, I don't know if you guys like bugs, but yuck, right? But he denied himself all that. He goes, of nobody born, of nobody natural, of nobody physically on this earth, John's the greatest, but he's the, he, even the least in the kingdom of heaven is better than him. Wow. Amen? He keeps pointing to it, right? He goes, I know you see this, but this, keep looking here, right? Keep our, keep our, our thoughts and our perspective heavenly and eternally. He says it over and over in Scripture. Watch for that pattern as you're watching, as you're, as you're reading who Je- what Jesus is saying here and everywhere in the Scriptures. From the days of John the Baptist until now, verse 12, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence, and the violent have been seizing it by force. Are there spiritual battles going on? Heck yeah, man. Right? For all the prophets and the law, the Old Testament prophesied until John. He's sitting there telling us, this is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. John is it. It's it's an amazing thing. If you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Anyone who has ears should listen. And everybody said, amen. Now let's go into Mark 6, which is where the crux of our message is. Mark 6, starting in verse 14, King Herod heard of this. Because Jesus' name had become well-known. This is Herod, right, who I, who I will remind you, uh, married his brother's wife. Can everybody say, ooh? It's like his sister-in-law. It's weird, right? <laughs> A lot of that going on, I guess, in the Roman Empire, and it just sort of, uh, sort of happened, right? King Herod heard of this. Jesus' name had become well-known. Some said John the Bat... Some, some said... John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. They're calling Jesus John the Baptist, right? Because 
Herod had killed John the Baptist, and I'll explain here in just a second what all is going on there. And that's why supernatural powers are at work in him. But others said he's Elijah. Still others said he's a prophet, uh, like, like one of the other prophets. When Herod heard of it, he said, John, the one I beheaded has been raised. He's thinking Jesus is John again. For Herod himself had given orders to arrest John and to chain him in prison on account of Herodias, the, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias held a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not because Herod was in awe of John and was protecting him, knowing he was a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard him, he would be very disturbed, yet would hear him gladly. So John would be saying to Herod, hey, you're in sin. Hey, you need to repent. Herod get all mad, but he'd keep going back because he knew he was right. Ever had a friend like that, that, that I know I need to change, I know I need to repent, I know I need to do this, I know I need to do that, and they just won't, they, 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 they keep coming back, but they won't ever take that step. I'm not saying they never will, I'm just they haven't, haven't yet. Now an opportune time came on his birthday, Herod's birthday, when Herod gave a banquet for his nobles, military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee. When Herodias' own daughter came in and danced, remember this is his daughter in law now, right? Or his brother's, probably his brother's daughter, which is again weird. She pleased Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. So he swore oaths to her, whatever you ask me, I will give to you up to half my kingdom. This is an expression that meant no matter what you say, I am committed to, to giving this to you. There's no take backs, no erases, right? Like he is, his, and any other witnesses there, he would have like brought shame upon himself if he didn't give what was, uh, what was asked. Then she went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? John the Baptist's head, she said. Immediately she hurried to the king and said, I, I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And though the king was deeply distressed because of his oaths and the guests, he did not want to refuse her. The king immediately sent for an executioner and commanded him to bring John's head. So he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother, and when his disciples heard about it, they came and removed his corpse and placed it in a tomb. That sucks. Think about this, man. Like who, do you not think that people had questions about God? This guy gave his life to you. This guy lived in the wilderness. This guy ate bugs and honey and fulfilled the Old Testament by being the messenger, the spirit of Elijah that was called for in the Old Testament. You're letting him be beheaded? I mean, think about those things, right? Anybody have those kind of questions about all the things that make us maybe sad, even if it's a loss of a loved one all the way down to the political climate? And we go, God, really? Sometimes we just have those questions. But Jesus keeps saying, look here, right? Keep our focus here. I'm not saying to deny the sadness or to just get over it because it's nothing like that. It's like, it's like keep in mind there's a, an eternal heavenly thing going on here. So much so, so this is 
This is not in the Bible, but this is how I imagine John the Baptist, after having lived his life that certain way, made all kinds of people mad, and yet still people came up and they, they were baptized into repentance by John himself. I imagine when that executioner comes into that prison cell, John's looking at him going, what took you so long? <laughs> right? Let's go. Bring it, Right? I just, I just think that about John. I have no proof of that. I have no, but the, when I read who John the Baptist is, he has this, this perspective, right, of just bring it. Amen? You've heard me say several times that, that thank God, we're all kind of dead in 100 years, right? Like, I, I, like I, I, it's that eternal perspective. I'm not, I'm not like celebrating death or sadness or anything like that. Death, sickness, sadness, all those things are not God's plan, right? But it's as a result of the fallenness that we're under and the curse we're under, man, death for those who know him is a blessing. If we think of it that way, then it's an, it's, it's an amazing thing because this is what Jesus kept saying. Think here, right? Don't rejoice in these things. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Of everybody born here, John's the greatest. But up here, he's not even close to the least of the ones up here, right? Like it's a, he keeps saying it over and over in the, in the scriptures. But did he feel sad? Yeah. Because in Matthew 14, 13, He says this, or scripture says this. When Jesus heard about it, the the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. And that's okay. That's all right, right? If Jesus needs to be alone, by the way, was he really alone or was he Physically, yes, but who was he with? Father, exactly right. See, he withdraws, yes, in sadness, most likely. Yes, also with an eternal perspective to be with the Father. And that's the the pattern that I want us to be thinking about and the grace and the mercy to be sad, but also the emotional maturity at the same time to to man to still be with God because grief and sadness are part of being human. Amen? They are. And it's part of, like Jesus felt these these things as well. Another thing I want us to be thinking about, because I don't want us to deny sadness because, you know, we've had to to deal with loss of loved ones and loss of, you know, um, you know, jobs and loss of all kinds of things and and it's gonna you know to say oh everything's just gonna be fine you know and try to fake it till you make it is just not truthful right and even though grief and sadness are part of being human and jesus experienced these things we're all wired differently and may experience grief and sadness differently and that's okay i get the have the honor and the pleasure honestly, of doing uh, funerals for people. I, I'm, I'm a weird guy. Not that I want people to die or, or anything like that, but if somebody knows Jesus and they die, I love doing those funerals. I love doing them, man. Because I can with confidence say, man, they are better off, right? 
And I don't, you know, it's, but it's not that, that I want to deny the grief and the sadness people have while they're here. But at the same time, I, I love doing them. But one of the things that I hear people say a lot is like, you know, people are saying, I need to get over this. Or people, you know, I'll talk to people weeks later after a funeral. And they're like, you know, people saying, I need to stop crying. It's time to move on. It's time to do these kinds of things. And, and, and some people will come to me and say, you know, I really feel like uh, people didn't think I was grieving. You know, they'll tell me like, I hardly ever saw you cry. You know, here's the thing. If you're sad and you feel like laughing, laugh. If you're grieving and you feel like crying, cry. If it takes a while, if it takes longer than some people expect you to, don't worry about it. You're wired a certain way the way God created you, amen? If you're sad, be sad the way God made you. And if you're laughing at inappropriate times and people say that's not appropriate, like, I don't care. <laughs> you have the freedom to do that, amen? Is that, I mean, is that cool? That's the grace, right? Like, don't, like nobody can, can put a, 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 a something around you. What am I, what, what's the word? Can't, they can't mold you into their own way of, of grieving and being sad, right? Be grieving and be sad the way God made you to be, amen? Because we're all different, right? Wired differently, gifted differently, emotionally like things are, the, the way we are emotionally are different and things like that. But do not, guys, that doesn't give us a, a, an excuse to sin, but it gives us grace to grieve. Finally, well, got two things. Have that eternal perspective in our grief and our sadness, right? That there's a whole lot more time on that side of this life than there is on this side. But ultimately, grieve with God. Because when Jesus goes and be alone in his sadness, he's with the Father. Amen. Man. Guys, I love you. I know that this is one of those, one of those things. We've had losses. We've had all kinds of things. I've seen it all on Facebook. I, I put out uh, uh, prayer requests. Hey, you know, private message me. And some of the stuff I got back last week was heavy. Right, I had some, even some losses and some fine. You know, I came, I had people come up after the first service said, "Just found out so and so was terminal," and my friend and that. I'm like, "Hey guys, listen, man, we are. It, it, it is the sadness and the grief is is a real deal. It's okay. It's not sinful, right? But grieve with God. Amen. Father, we love you and thank you for." Um, Man, so much that's going on. There is so much wonderful things, so many wonderful things that are happening. And at the same time, there's a lot of things that are making us sad. Father, if it's a political climate, if it's a uh, injustice, if it's racial disharmony, if it's loss of a loved one, if it's loss of a job, if it's someone who we have poured into that has just simply walked away from you, that makes us sad, God. Man, let us, thank you for letting us be sad. Thank you for not being the kind of dad that says, hey, buck up, get over it. And at the same time, God, we ask that you give us your timing and when to take the next steps. And if we need to see someone, Lord, if it's a counselor or anything like that, Lord, let us, let us feel free to do that. You know, and, 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 and Lord, may we, may we surround one another that are grieving and sad. Lift one another up in you until we see you again face to face. We love you. We thank you for your grace. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. Guys, love you. Have a fantastic week.